Thank you, Brother Justin. Good evening, everybody. Good to see you here tonight. I want to welcome once again to uh, Brother Kyle Smith and the, um, the folks here from Victory Baptist Church in South Illinois. Thanks so much for being here with us tonight. As I said a moment ago, we, I apologize for our pastor not being here, but this is a month of graduations. And I know for all of our um, students here, they're anticipating final exams. This too shall pass. Find encouragement in that in just a few moments here. Hey, you know what? A very appropriate uh, message tonight, if you've seen your outline. Why don't you take your Bibles with me? One of my favorite passages in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter number 11, the Hall of Faith. The Hall of Faith. I'm not sure if how many folks have ever been to the Hall of Fame here in the United States. Um, I, I, I recall years and many, many years ago having the opportunity to do so. But can I tell you this, friends? None can such compare as to that of the Hall of Faith, the men and women here found within the Word of God. But I want you guys to see some, a very specific passage of Scripture tonight in Hebrews chapter number 11. I'm going to speak on the subject matter, the strength of your faith. Let's make it personal tonight. Strength of your faith. We'll see a very particular person. If you're familiar with this passage, you'll know exactly her name. And it's from the... This Bible character from whence we named, my wife and I named our daughter. And uh, Hebrews chapter number 11. Beginning verse number 11, if you'll follow along with your eyes, I'll read it out loud. Begin verse number 11 and verse number 12. The Bible reads, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I thank you so very much for tonight, and Lord, for this great privilege. Yea, Lord, a great responsibility to stand behind this sacred desk. I do so, Lord, not in my own strength or my capabilities or my past experience, but wholly and, Lord, squarely upon you. Lord, I need you, and I ask tonight, O Holy Spirit of God, that you would enable me, anoint my lips, and Lord, I pray you give me clarity of thought and speech, not only to preach to your people, but to encourage, and Lord, even where it is needed, admonish. Oh, Father, I pray as well that the principles here would be manifested within my very own life. And I know, Lord, in its preparation, Lord, this is spoken to me first and foremost. And I pray, Lord, to be encouragement and help to some, um, somebody here, even whether it be here tonight at Heritage Baptist Church or watching through live stream. I pray, Father God, that you would, um, you would be glorified all said and done. Well, thank you so much, Lord, for these things now. If we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for standing. You may be seated. Years ago, following my car accident in, in June of 2012, I was frequently visiting a chiropractor and a physical therapist. First of all, I've never had to do so in times past, and, and I'm kind of grateful that I did, as by the suggestion of my doctor there, for my physical recovery. Both of these specialists came to the same conclusion. They said, AJ, if, I'm going to if you're going to recuperate and prevent or minimize future injuries, it's not simply uh, the need for personal protective equipment. What you need to do is to increase, the strength by, by, increase your strength by developing the muscle groups around the injured areas. Since then, I've sat, I, I saw my physical therapist, saw him for about nine months consecutively. And I'm grateful for his help and just kind of the key, keeping me accountable. And since then also, I, um, 
couple, I think it was last year, this will be the second year here also, my, uh, I was privileged to be given a gym membership for Christmas and been able to use that and be able to get back into it. I think more so if anything else, the gym membership is just um, a stark reminder of just how weak you really are, right? <laughs> I tend to go up early in the mornings um, so that there is more freedom with all the, um, the rest of the areas. And as I go and do my, my workouts, I find that people today are becoming increasingly aware of their health. I mean, now you have vending machines in there that everything is. You don't have to eat your vegetables. You can drink them. And now everybody there seems to be their uh, part-time job is a trainer. And of course, they zone in on you the moment they come in. Hey, you look like you're new. Or, hey, you look like somebody who can be, uh, use my assistance. I'll take your money. But as we become increasingly aware of our health, and we, we start to employ a variety of lifestyle changes, right? And that's a terminology we often hear from our doctors. There needs to be a lifestyle change. And they're right. In order to increase their vitality and strength, we hear about special diets. I'm, I'm hearing people talk about from the gyms all the time. Hey, man, are you on a keto diet? Are you vegetarian? Are you vegan? Or are you with a paleo? And I'm not sure if they're talking about philosophies or diets often, oftentimes. We hear oftentimes, I, uh, the reason why I go early in the morning is because there's very to, um, little to no group workouts of people asking, hey, you got to join my spin class. And I had no idea what spin class was until you open up the door and you smell the odor of people just on those bicycles for hours, not minutes, brethren, hours on end just spinning in, um, 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 in stationary, uh, on stationary bicycles. Um, there's no television. You just have one person in front who's yelling at you, and that's supposed to be your motivation. But you have spin classes. You have Pilates classes. You have yoga classes to lift, lifting weights to running on treadmills. We have circuit trainers to high-intensity or HIIT trainers there as well. We have people promoting eating or drinking organic foods to various stretches and calisthenics and body weight exercises. I was recently given a flyer. Hey, come and join the calisthenic uh, competition here. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's supposed to be down, I think it's supposed to be in Miami Beach. And I didn't realize there's a whole, you know, um, there's a whole circuit of people dedicated to, um, to pull-ups and all manners of things, of doing things with your own body weight. But to be honest... As I thought about it, is my physical therapist, which by the way, my physical therapist, before I left, I got a new physical therapist who had a prosthetic leg. And he said, he said this to me when I complained about my knee hurting from my accident. Is, hey, he pulled up his pant leg. What's your excuse? Never again was another complaint coming out of my mouth about my leg hurting. To be honest, he said, it's not that, that difficult to increase your physical strength. The hardest part, and he's right about this, is developing the fortitude and desire to go and stick with it, isn't it, friends? Sounds like a lot like a Christianity, isn't it? With a little discipline and work, you can become a stronger person. You know, I hope that tonight you're eating and living healthy lives and so that your physical strength increases. But let me ask you tonight, brethren, what are you doing to increase your spiritual strength? How is your faith tonight? If we were able to look at a scale, and perhaps maybe if there was some means, as, a, as it were, to look at where you, you are at, I'm reminded, as Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.8, for bodily exercise profiteth little. But notice quickly, the Bible says, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. You know, many of us don't like pain that is felt during and after a workout. I know I don't. But we continue because we can see and feel the benefits of such workouts, don't we? 
You know, I sincerely believe one of the greatest reasons why so many Christians plateau in their spiritual growth is because of our reliance upon the visible, tangible evidence only. We know that our muscles will be growing because of the torn muscle fibers that can be felt in our, in, alongst our bodies. But when the trials of life hit us, it has a different, a different impact, doesn't it, friends? Be it the loss of a loved one, or as we're praying tonight, those who have cancer, others trying to overcome a circumstance, all we can focus in that moment in that time is that trial at hand. If we're honest with ourselves, sometimes trials can be so overwhelming that they can cause us, even for just that moment, can't they? To take our eyes off of God and cause us even to accuse Him rather than place our trust in Him. We notice here the narrative of Sarah in Genesis chapter number 17. If you notice in your outlines in your Bibles tonight, it says here, And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall be, bear thee a son indeed, speaking to Abraham. And thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. Now understand the situation. Abraham was operating by faith to receive the promise of God, but it would be Sarah, however, who would physically labor and work for that. Amen, Elise? I have three children, I tell you what. Um, my wife is of superhuman strength. I was there for all three of the birth of my children. And I tell you this, gentlemen, I do not envy her. Sarah would be required to conceive, bear, and deliver a child as a 90-year-old wife of Abraham. Sarah was going to need an unbelievable amount of strength from someplace other than herself in order to see this one through. Unfortunately, where God guides, he provides. Here what Isaiah 40, verse 28 to 31 reminds us, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. How about you, fellow Christian? Are you operating spiritually in the strength of the Lord? Are you holding back in your Christian life because you lack strength? Do you rely on your strength to supply victory from day to day? How do we experience the power of God in our, at work in our lives? God's power is available. That's not the question. But it is available to those who will wait upon the Lord through faith. Notice tonight the progression of a life filled with the strength and power of God. First and foremost, I see in our text in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 11, the depletion of material strength. The depletion of material strength. Notice here the Bible says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive. To say that she was geriatric is an understatement. Here it was, she was 90 years old. The Bible says in the Old Testament that she was well stricken in age. For all you young people understand, she was really old. Needless to say, having a child... More like great-grandchildren at this period in time. But no, promise given to Abraham, and she would be the one to have to bear that promise and see it come to fruition. Do you realize, brethren, mankind was originally created with the strength and power needed to live lives pleasing to God? 
But then man was, man was not corrupted. Man was not weak. Man did not have a depraved flesh. Man did not suffer under continual temptation in his original creation. Man was created perfect. But somewhere along the line, the original strength that God intended us to have was depleted from our life. Notice here, letter A, our failure. When the Bible says here, when she was past age, one thing that you cannot do is go back in time and recapture the years that have expired. I know so many people I've talked to, especially in convalescent homes in our, in our um, elderly senior convalescent ministries, they told you and they held you by hand and said, hey, Jay, you cherish those children. Hey, you serve God with all your might. Because if I was a young one, friends, we can't go back in time and capture those years. Sarah was past the age of childbearing. One thing we cannot do is recapture that spiritual strength lost in the fall of man. In ourselves, we fail to have the strength to live and obey. We see from the book here in Genesis chapter number 3, Adam and Eve were created perfect. God had supplied them with all of the strength that they would ever need. They walked with God. And they talked with God face to face every day. But one day it failed. Notice with me in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6 through 8. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And notice verse 7, the Bible says, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons, Oh, with a perfect example of what that is, right, of man's religion. Friends, can I tell you, man's religion is ephemeral. It will always expire. And it costs them nothing. Then it says this, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. That day, friends, our spiritual strength was depleted. Mankind failed to secure the power of God. We see our failure, but notice our flesh. How many folks like myself are honest enough to admit that it is our flesh that seems to be the greatest foe when that alarm clock comes off, work, off in the morning? Tell you what, friends. And what's worse, as if it were to help us, they, have, they give us the option for snooze buttons. And on top of the snooze buttons, you get to, you get to toggle through how long you want it to snooze. That's no help. Without God's power, friends, where does man turn to st for strength? You know, unfortunately, we turn to our flesh, haven't we? You look in our schools and our institutions of higher learning today, we have shoved God out of our schools. And before we blame the higher education system, friends, can I say this? We're going to ask, where's God been in our homes? Fathers, where is He in our family altars, in our communities? Do our neighbors know that? The home, that the Tatiarcha homes there in San Leandro is a home that exalts God. Psalm 73, 26 reminds us, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. John 6, 63, It is a spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. Could Sarah have done anything to change her situation? Absolutely not. And she needed to rely on the Lord. Her body was old, used, and wearied with life. She could not trust her own flesh. And friends, can I tell you tonight, neither can you. 
Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17 reminds us, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are the contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Paul told the Romans in Romans 7, 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Oh, our weakness comes as a result of living in the flesh, brethren. Being fleshly carnal creatures. I recall a story about a young man, as we see for so many seniors here. College applications have already been turned in. Acceptance letters have gone out. But I recall a young man who filled out an application for admission to a university. In response to requests, and it said here, to list your personal strengths, he wrote this. Sometimes I'm trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrift, brave, clean, and reverent. Where the form said, list your, list your weaknesses, he thought for a moment, and he wrote this. Sometimes I'm not trustworthy, not loyal, not helpful, not friendly, not courteous, not kind, and you get the drift. None of us are perfect. But friends, can I tell you this? You cannot trust your flesh. Jeremiah 17, 9 reminds us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We see the depletion of material strength. But notice tonight, here in our text once again, through faith also Sarah herself received strength. Tonight, friends, I want us to see the reception of miraculous strength. Sarah was not alone. Praise God for that. God was with her. She waited on God and received the strength that she needed to fulfill her duties to God. Notice how that works, friends. James reminds us here that we are to let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. But I'll be the first to confess, patience and waiting is not the top of my priority list oftentimes, nor is it the top of my temperament. But Isaiah 40, 31 reminds us, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. By the way, that term renew doesn't mean renew our physical strength. It means to give in exchange for. If you ever felt burnt out, friends, maybe you just, man, after a long work week, can I tell you this, friends? I don't know about you. Whether I'm behind this, when I'm sitting in the, those pews and I hear our pastor preach, I feel my spiritual strength being renewed. I'll tell you what, why I'm grateful for our midweek services, because I need renewal, just like anybody else here. Since we have the power of God living within us, by the person of the Holy Spirit of God, we can receive miraculous strength from God. But this is, is this strength, but how is this strength received? Friends, it is through faith. Unbelief asks this question, how can this be? While faith asks, Lord, how shall this be? God delights in strengthening his children. And notice this in letter A, first and foremost. See, God's power is received in weakness. If you haven't lived a Christian life long enough, you understand this, fellow Christians. The Christian life is a paradox. The Apostle Paul explained it best this way, my life's verse. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How is it that in life we are to gain only by death? Well, friends, when we live for self, death will only be the culmination. And that's it. But if we live for Christ in this life, as someone said, only one life, to soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. More than a cliche, friends, it ought to be our legacy. And also be, ought to be our guide. 
As long as you believe that you have the strength in yourself for success and faithfulness in life, you will not receive the strength that God has to supply. But when you come to the end of your feeble strength and cry out to God in need, God will meet your needs. He will supply your life with the omnipotent strength only available from heaven. Notice in 2 Chronicles chapter number 12, take your Bibles there if you would. 2, Cor excuse me, 2 Corinthians, excuse me. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Notice to me in verse number 9, this is after the point. Paul just had a vision. Whether he was in the body or out of body, he says he does not know. He sent him to the third heaven. He saw things and heard things that his flesh, in his flesh he was not to hear and was told not to make it known. Receive what he calls, the Bible says here, a thorn in the flesh. Now mind you, we know his, this narrative. How many times did Paul request God to remove the thorn in the flesh? Not once, not twice. Three times. And notice the Lord's response. In verse number 9, the Bible reads, And he said unto me, My, say that word next, grace is sufficient for thee. Let's park it there for a moment, friends. It's amazing to me, because daily I struggle with this, how I trust God's gracious gift for my salvation, for my eternal destination. And yet, day by day, I struggle in trusting him for that day's supply of grace, isn't it? And I must remind myself, as Paul did, as Jesus Christ told him, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect, get this, in weakness. And I love his response, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, not because he was a sadist, he says, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Oh, friends, God's power is received in weakness. We know the story of Joseph. Our pastor has been preaching through his life. And I spoke of him recently this past Sunday night. Joseph was a good son. He's a picture of, us, of the Savior Jesus Christ. We know him as a dreamer. He had a dream, a God-given dream. But before his dream could be realized in his life, God had to weaken the man for the endowment of his power. In Genesis 50, verse number 20, we see it, and we probably might know this once it's quoted. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. Joseph speaks to his brothers. But God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Before we go on and say, well, you know, Joseph was just an optimistic viewer. No, friends, more than that, he was a, God, a man who had godlike faith. Being betrayed by his brethren, sold as a slave, being falsely accused, and then thrown back into the king's prison, forgotten by the man you helped release, to be raised as the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. That can only be explained by God. You know, many others whom God used in miraculous ways and who had experienced the miraculous power of God in their lives had to first be brought down low in order to be just frail enough to be supplied with the power of God. We look at the life of Moses, a man here, the prince of Egypt, a murderer, 40 years in the backside of a desert before God says, go. Tell Pharaoh, let my people go. We look at a man, a righteous man, Job, who every day 
offer sacrifices to God because he thought to himself, had his children, just perhaps his children, within their hearts, has sinned against the Lord. We see the great apostle Paul, prior to that we knew him as Saul, big shot. God had to make him a little shot before God could use him. We look at King David, a great mighty warrior, but also an adulterer, a murderer. And yet God called him a man after God's own hearts. All of these men, and then some friends, had to be first brought low so that God might be magnified. You know, sometimes your biggest weakness can become your biggest strength. Take, for example, the story of a 10-year-old boy who would decide to study judo despite the fact that he had lost his left arm in a devastating car accident. The boy began lessons with an old Japanese judo master. He was doing well, so he couldn't understand why after three months of training, the master had taught him only one move. Sensei, the boy finally said, shouldn't I be learning more moves? He thought to himself, he started to become a little bit perturbed and frustrated. Maybe he's, like, Maybe he's, he's picking on me, thinks so, so little of me. Not quite understanding, but believing in his teacher, the boy kept quiet and kept training. Several months later, the sensei took the boy to his first tournament. Surprising himself, the boy easily won his first two matches. Third match proved to be more difficult, but after some time, his opponent became impatient and charged. The boy deftly used his one move to win the match. Still amazed by his success, the boy was now in the finals. This time, his opponent was bigger, stronger, faster, and more experienced. For a while, the boy appeared to be overmatched. Concerned that the boy might get hurt, the referee called a timeout. He was about to stop the match when the sensei intervened. No, sensei insisted, let him continue. Soon after the match resumed, his opponent made a critical mistake. He dropped his guard. Instantly, the boy used his one move to pin him. The boy had won the match and the tournament. He was declared the champion. On the way home, the boy and his sensei reviewed every move in each and every match. Then the boy summoned the courage to ask what was really on his mind. Sensei, how did I win the tournament with only one move? You won for two reasons, the sensei answered. First, you've almost mastered one of the most difficult throws in all of judo. Second, the only known defense for that move is for your opponent to grab your left arm. The boy's biggest weakness had become his biggest strength. We see here, friends, God's power, let it be, is rendered with humility. It's received in meekness, but it is rendered. It is given out with humility. Too many times we lack receiving the power of God in life because we possess a prideful and arrogant spirit. God, I deserve this. I deserve that raise, that promotion. Why did so-and-so get chosen over me? Hey, I've been in this ministry longer than they have. Oh, but friends, beware. We must understand the purpose of receiving the power of God in our lives is so that we might be able to reflect the glory of God in our lives, not the glory of ourselves. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse 27 to 31, note, notice what the Bible says. But God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he, hath, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. To whom are you glorying tonight, friends? You know, it's interesting enough, I praise, I, I, my, mom, my mom is here tonight, visiting from Southern California, and I'm so grateful for her. But you know, it's amazing, she, um, she has her own guest room in our house. Anytime, mom, of course, mom always going to have a room, now that uh, all her children, we have one in Vacaville, one here, right here in, um, in San Leandro, another one down in San Diego, and her, her place down in um, Hammett, California. And every one of those, she's got her own room. <laughs> but as such, you know it's grandma's room because the first thing that's seen are pictures of grandkids. Permeates. I think she has more pictures of grandkids than she does have clothing <laughs> over here, at least with us. And she loves it. And I thank God so much, but I, I tell you this, friends. I'm grateful for a mother who prayed for this preacher. Who by her life showed me what it meant to have true power. Being a linebacker in high school and the commander of my drill team, it's hard not to get prideful. And then when you suddenly are injured one day and you spend three months in and out of the hospital, it's like God's way of a stark reminder. You can keep on running. Tenth grade I was in high school when the Lord called me, and, and I knew it, but I was running. It was a year at a student convention, and there Dr. David Gibbs, Jr., president of the Christian Law Association, CLA, preached the message is simply entitled, Dreams, Decisions, and Destiny. And I'll remember one statement. I don't remember much, but I remember the statements. Because God has dreams for each and every one of you. Problem is, so do you. And often, more than often not, our pride tends to conflict against God's dreams. And when you come to that crossroads, friends, he said this, you have to choose. You choose the wrong path, God will have to break you. And surely he did. In my body, I still bear some of the aches and pains, but rather than complain and murmur and gripe about it, I say, thank you, Lord. And I thank him so much. For friends, I would not be here today. Had it not been for him, I would not have ever heard of Heritage Baptist Church, much less have met Pastor Alan Fong at my, in my senior year of college or met my wife and had my three beautiful children. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And the hard part of that due time, friends, is that that due time is in God's time. And as, as humans, we have to often confess, don't we, that God's time is not always up to our time. And that's what frustrates us. Call the story about a small boy trying to lift a heavy stone. Despite his huffing and his puffing, he couldn't budge it. His father, much like my children watching nearby, finally asked him, Are you using all your strength, son? Are you doing it? He cries and tears come down his eyes. Yes, I am, the boy cried, exasperated. To finally, the father says, No, you're not. 
He paused. Children looked, the child looked at him, perplexed. What are you talking about? You're not the one that's trying to lift this. So the father chimed back in and says, you're not using all your strength because you haven't yet asked me for help. Oh, friends, you know, oftentimes in our lives, a lot of pain is self-inflicted, isn't it? And often the solution, it seems to be the last result upon our minds, coming to God and his throne of grace in prayer. We see the depletion of material strength the reception of miraculous strength. But notice in closing tonight, friends, I see here the dominion of the master's strength. And this is where it really counts. It's not enough to say, I, I, I tried out this workout or I tried this diet. Oftentimes where we see the relapse is that we don't stick to it. There has to be a dominion, an overpowering, a discipline. In many of our lives today, there's a need for a change in dominion, wouldn't you say? Or you could say there is a need to change our source of dependence. It is time to live all of your life in the power of God. Every facet of your life. The receipt of power and the birth of Isaac brought Sarah into a different dominion of life after she experienced the power of God in such a miraculous way. When you live in the power of God, friends, it will bring you into a whole new standard of living. I know it has for me. Notice here, in our text, it says here, through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she, saw, when she was past age. Notice this last part says this, because she judged him faithful who had promised. We see letter A, it was maintained through faith in God's promises. This dominion of the master's strength is maintained, friends, through the promises of God because she judged him faithful who had promised. Oh, tonight, friends, I wonder, whose promises are you banking on? Sarah, as Abraham, had some lapse in trust and trusting the promises of God, didn't she? Whose idea was it to give Abraham, hey, I have a handmaid here. She's Egyptian. Picture of the world. Her name is Hagar. I'm too old, Abraham. Let me ask you, friends, are we still, is Israel still facing the consequences of that today? Surely is. Ishmael, the Arabic people, those who have in all the world have it out just for one group of people and they made it known, the annihilation of the Jews. Oh, she found forgiveness, praise God, and found the grace to claim the promises of the Bible. But you've got to stop in for a moment, friends, and ask yourself, what has God promised to me? Notice to me, friends, God promises salvation, eternal life, and security. In John 10, 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any pluck them out of my hand. Oh, friends, that's the greatest news you can tell anybody. More than winning the lottery, hey, more than giving them some extra cash in their bank account, more than a new car, is the fact that a Savior, Jesus Christ, had paid their sin debt. Oh, praise the Lord. This past uh, Saturday, our pastor and many other men gave reports of five souls come to save knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, when they first came out was through our Easter musical and our, our, kids, our, our kids' treasure hunt at uh, Monroe Elementary School. By the way, parents <clears throat> and the rest of you folks who had served children's ministry workers, it wasn't all for naught. Sure, we may have seen the, the benefits afterwards, but Brother Gerald, it pays off. 
And somebody, several other names were written in the Lamb's Book of, of Life. But notice, <coughs> not only salvation, eternal life, but notice, friends, also with me, it says here, we also receive strength and power. In Acts chapter number 1, verse number 8. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. The Bible says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. I shared with some of our young people here, Pastor Agent, when I got saved, I don't know what it is. Not only was a burden lifted, but I feel like I have a sense, a sense of purpose. Absolutely. I told them, young man, tell you this, every child of God, the moment they're saved, they are given a new purpose. This world is trying to fill you with nothing more than yourself. And it's a bottomless pit. Can never be satiated. But when you fill your life with Christ, not only do you have purpose, but you have power, friends. And you have the confidence to propagate the gospel. But notice, thirdly, friends, we also have provision. In Matthew 6, verse 25, and verse 33, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, Jesus speaking here, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body. What ye shall put, in, uh, put on is not life more than meat and the body than raiment. And then he says in verse 33, we all know it, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? All the things mentioned in verse 25 shall be added unto you. Here's the problem, friends. We live in a backward society, don't we? We're pursuing the, all these things rather than the kingdom of God first and foremost. And as a result, we're getting all these things. And when we arrive at the so-called finish line or we get that self-made trophy, we realize it doesn't bring me joy. It's not fulfilling. But dare I say, friends, when we have a dominion of God's power maintained through faith in his promises, that's what brings provision. That's what brings fulfillment. But not only is it maintained through faith in God's promises, Notice his dominion is maintained through a faith in God's person. Oh, this is important. In our text in verse number 11, it says, Because she judged him faithful. Him faithful. The word judge here means to deem or consider, to determine the result of, or to form an opinion. Sarah had heard, and as she heard from within that tent, you remember, she laughed. She chuckled. Huh, really? Lord, that's, I'm, I'm going to have a baby. Sarah not only considered the promises of God, but she also considered who gave those promises. She judged that God, Jehovah Jireh, would perform his word. Oh, you know what, friends? Tonight, two people can make the same promise to me. But it doesn't mean I will believe them both can accomplish that promise. A promise is always dependent upon the giver, isn't it? Bill Gates can promise me $1,000. You know what? I'll take it. <laughs> Be sure to tie on that, of course, obviously. Tim, it's, it's chump change. I remember reading back in 2013, it says here, Bill Gates is making so much more money that if he was carrying a, a wad of $100 bills in his shirt pocket on a windy day, it would, it would be a waste of time for him to go back and pick up the $100 bills that blew out of his shirt pocket than for him to proceed on walking forward. I'm thinking, man, I want to be behind him on a windy day. <laughs> but here's another thing. My son, Bo, my oldest son, who's nine years old tonight, told me, Daddy, I'm going to give you $1,000. 
You know what I'm going to be looking for? Monopoly money. <laughs> Nothing more. You probably judge that the promise differently be considering the person who promised it, right? Friend, have you thought for a moment, stop to think for a moment, the resources of God? As Philippians 4 reminds us here, God should supply all your needs. And I love this part, not according to your need, but according to his riches. When's the last time you thought about the God who owned the cattle in a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine? And then we go on to say on our Facebook pages and posts, oh man, well, just getting by. Living from paycheck to paycheck. Grinning and bearing it. Why would anybody want to be you as a Christian? And then we wonder why all, all these people are just, they're just judges, just judgy people. Well, next time before you think about posting upon the world wide web, friend, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Amen. There's a name God uses for himself in the Old Testament. I love it. He calls himself El Shaddai, the Almighty. The name of God which sets him forth primarily as a strengthener and satisfier of his people. It literally means all-sufficient. El Shaddai. It's found in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 and 2. And when Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the Almighty God. I am the one who can suffice. I am the satisfier of my people. I am the God who is Almighty. He says, Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. Oh, friends, we measure physical strength by the amount of resistance, weight one can, one can push, pull, and lift, don't we? Physical strength is developed through the stresses we put onto our bodies and measured by our muscles, resilience, and durability. Man, I tell you what, the day when I went to that gym and the first time I slapped on those weights and finally I worked my way up and as I calculated afterwards and I knew something was up because everybody around me had stopped. And it's like, dude, guys are pulling out their cameras and they're filming. I'm like, what's going on? Am I not doing it right? As I stopped and looked down on the sides, I looked to my right, looked to my left and I see on there, I calculated it's 315 pounds. I tell you for that first moment in time, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm somebody. It's about three hours later, right? You're in the shower and you're like, oh, oh. You're squirting the loofah on the, on, the, on the wall and you're trying to scrub your own head because you can't raise your own arms. Well, worse yet, you go back the next day and there's somebody else in your place with more weights and it's a she. That's humbling. You know, I understand physical strength is developed through the stresses we put on our bodies and measured by our muscles' resilience and durability. But can I tell you this, friends? Our spiritual strength, however, is measured by the way we respond to our trials and then apply the promises of God to each and every one of them. And by the way, it's not a one-time process. It's moment by moment, day by day. Take your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter number 3, if you would, please. And I'll close on this note. <clears throat> In Proverbs chapter number 3, a 
beginning, actually just one verse tonight. Proverbs chapter number three, you know it, very familiar verse. Some of the children here in this room, I know my children know it. It's Proverbs chapter number three, verse number five. Would you read this out loud with me, church? Ready? Begin. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. You notice here, friends, there is a moment of faith. Here it is, the ability to grow in our faith. And then watch here, then he, he gives us a, stir, a stern warning. Lean not to our own understanding. Remember my physical therapist reminded me, hey, AJ, you know what? When we first started, we started with resistance bands, and then we went on to the Nautilus machines where it was isolated. We did isolated motions. He says, but the only way to ensure that your back and your, your lower back, your knees, and your, um, your scapula is going to be healed and prevent further injury is that you got to get out of the machines. It's got to be, you said, you'll do better with free weights. I'm like, free weights? And he says, yes, well, you had to stabilize every facet of the, of the weights. You folks have ever, done, have ever done a deadlift or squats? And first, praise the Lord for the squat rack to protect you there. But I remember before I, um, in football, we had to work our way up. And as a linebacker, we did a lot of squats. You had to be fast and you had to hit hard. I'm 5'7". That's probably one thing that the only thing afforded me was my surprise. Because as I came behind the guys who were 6'4", and 6'6", and 6'8", and 6'9", when that quarterback felt me, he's looking for the other 6'2", 6'3", guy. Until I come off from, from off of him and everybody's patting me on the back and they see the stats later. Here's the thing, friends. God's strength, spiritual strength, our strength of faith comes at no surprise. Why? Because every act of faith, trusting, must be intentional upon our part. Trust in the Lord. There's an exclusivity within this matter of faith. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And notice here, we are not to lean onto our own understanding. Oh, friends, tonight you can put your faith in God, and He will strengthen you just like He strengthened Sarah. And realize the strength of faith comes first by the depletion of material strength. Then it's followed by the reception of miraculous strength, and then culminated by the dominion of the Master's strength. It is then we can see and say, as did Paul, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Let me ask you tonight, friends, in closing, how strong is your faith?